Welcome to the Working Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Tony of Woodland Iron. Tonight, joined by Keith of Blackthorn Concepts, and that's it. <laughs> How's it going? Hiya. Not our usual guest of the week, so we're just kind of trying out the old uh, two-track. Two-tracks. First time, yeah. It's the first time we haven't had a guest since uh, Chad left. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely... We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Chad's going to have fun listening to this one. <laughs> These guys can't carry a tune. Well, that's true. I can't sing. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. But uh, I'd like to start off the show by thanking our sponsor, Sabretooth. If you go to sabretooth.com, you can save uh, 10% on all your carving, all your power carving disc spurs, anything you want there. Uh, if you use the code WH to get that 10% off. While you're there, I suggest signing up for their newsletter. Every month they send out uh, other discount codes, which is always nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I like it. And also, too, we'd like to thank our other sponsor, uh, Maritime Knife Supply. Um, you can pick up just about anything you want or need for uh, knife making and and making in general. Uh, just have a look at maritimeknifesupply.com and .ca, and he's uh, a great source of just about anything. It's wild how much stuff that guy's got. It really is. I, I don't make knives, and I've bought a ton of stuff from him. Yeah. I even got a gift card for my birthday. I can't wait to spend it over there. Nice. But with that, uh, what has been going on with you? I don't think we've talked, the two of us, about camp or anything other than what we did on the five lost episodes we recorded with the makeshift boys. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh... That was an event trying to, what, we record three separate times to get that, to get two shows? I don't know. It was a nightmare. And then last week with Grant, I was on a broken mic and I didn't realize it. So I apologize for the audio being as bad as it was. I had to salvage something, but we got it. We got it done. We got something out there. Yeah. I got some angry texts at night <laughs> uh, on, on Monday evening or Tuesday evening. Sorry. A Tuesday evening. Yeah, that was fun. Well, I woke up to them on Wednesday morning, so I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I was not I was not a happy camper. Yeah. I was not a happy camper. Water under the bridge. Definitely. But yeah, I thought I thought maybe we'd talk about um, skill learning and going to events and stuff to learn on this episode, because it's pretty much what we did with Maker Camp, and then the hammer-ins we go to, or any of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, at camp this year... It seems to be a recurring theme with me is that I missed things I wanted to do. Like I didn't really sit down and do a class. And I think I kind of a little bit of, I feel like I missed out a little bit there because seeing what everybody was able to do in those classes was, uh, was nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. The classes were cool. I took, I think I only took one. No, I took two. Yeah. Well, that was the one I remember when seeing you and your wife come back from doing the, uh, the silversmithing one or the silver solder the, the yeah. ring make that was uh i was like ooh, that would that could be interesting like, i've never done anything with silver i, th- I think i've mentioned that before but and then the leather work too i think i'd like to sit down and do that because as part of like when you went to high caliber camp that was something when i was like man that's and, and i mentioned it before but that's something that adding that to smithing like to finish off an item would be would be a good idea as far as like marketability of anything i'm trying to to make yeah 
I did not take a leather class. I wanted to, but I didn't. But the one I, I was real pumped I didn't make, and I've mentioned it before, was the Patty Gilstrap sewing class. Because I thought that would be cool to be able to do like wax canvas stuff and all that. Well, yeah, that's definitely something. Yeah, I never thought of that one too, but that would be something for, for me as well. It would be a, a good little add-on to what I do now to to really finish out projects. Yeah. I need help with sewing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to thread a sewing machine. I have one. I don't know how to use The last time I touched a sewing machine was home ec in like, <laughs> I want to say like grade eight or nine. So yeah. I won't do the math for you, but it's been a while. <laughs> but my thing, and even with like taking the blacksmith classes or going down a high caliber camp or something and learning more about blacksmithing or any of that stuff, I feel like you learn skills that can be translated into what you're doing like so for me for blacksmithing because i don't necessarily call myself a blacksmith um i think the skills that you learn even just by being taught a new trade i guess or craft you learn skills that translate over which is a big deal yeah it is like i've had a few people comment like through clubhouse i think bryce mentioned about we talked one time about smithing and how like it's it's more of like just moving things around. You're not subtracting, like not like woodworking where you're cutting to make your end project. And where smithing is more of like, you're just moving stuff around to get the shape that you want instead of like just cutting pieces off and gluing it together, which I'm not discounting the, the skill of woodworkers. It's just a different, it's a different thing. So yeah, I feel like woodworking is almost tougher in a sense because if you make a wrong hammer strike and blacksmithing you can sometimes recover it yeah you definitely can um there are times where you do ruin a project though i mean you can break stuff off and then that's not really recoverable unless yeah i mean it is if you just want to weld it back on and then away you go which is which is perfectly fine as well i think blacksmithing is more of an art form than say woodworking I mean, there's car, there's power carving, which I guess could be an art form, but for the most part, it's just numbers. It's more of a science. It's like baking versus cooking. Uh, yes and no, because when you're trying to make a piece, there's some math to be done on how much metal you need to do the project. So if yeah. you're even even if you're starting with a piece of stock that looks nothing like what like yeah, if you're starting with a piece of stock that looks nothing like you your end result's going to be like, you have to figure out how much metal is needed for the end result. That's true. So then certain things are pretty easy. Cause I mean, you grab a railroad spike and you want to make a, a knife out of it. Unless you add steel to it, you've only going to get a certain size knife because there's only so much steel to be used. And it's the same, like you'll see people do like you guys did those stake turners. It's the same idea. Like there's only so much metal there to turn into a, a stake flipper you're only going to get so much length, but you really don't have to sit there and do the math on that project. You're just like, okay, I want it to draw out to quarter inch and then you're going to be there a while because it's five eighths drawn down a quarter inch. So it's going to be a right. while, but it's just some projects are, you can just wing it and you'll get something out of it. But once you get to a, a maybe the higher levels, your projects become a little bit more precise in that you need I'm I'm not to that point, but I know that there's another level where you can start out with a, a very small piece and then all of a sudden you realize that you, you can make this beautiful piece out of it. So it looks way larger than what you started with. I get that. Like if you look at, uh, 
I think it's called the hundred mil challenge. It, it was done a few years ago. Um, so the idea was you took sounds like uh, a Canadian thing. It's it was an it was an English I believe it was an English thing. It was a European thing. So they what it was is you had a hundred mil, which is about six inches, four to six inches, somewhere's in there, of a certain size stock. I think it was like half inch or maybe bigger. And then the idea of it was is you that's your piece. That was your starting piece. And then out of that, you had to make something. So you had to make you know, some people made art, some people made tools. Um, I think it's, I forget who has it, but it's, there is a hashtag out there, 100 mil challenge. And it's 100, maybe I got that wrong. Maybe it's, it's a, either 100 mil or 150 mil. Um, either way, go on, find that, and then you will see what can be done with, you know, a small amount of stock. And then you turn into these projects where you're like, how is this even possible to turn that minor piece of metal into these you know pretty extravagant projects seems pretty cool i gotta check it out i'll check it out after this though yeah like say i think it's two or three years ago they did it and i I don't know if it's a recurring thing but i remember seeing it a few years back it seems like a an interesting challenge it's like um in the woodworking world they'll do like a one uh, one sheet of plywood or one two by four something like that they'll do those yeah it would be it would be yeah, very much akin to that one of those challenges. The only thing is, is for the blacksmithing side of things, it's more of like you're moving the metal around instead of like, like you say, with woodworking, it's more subtractive where you're cutting pieces away to make something. Yeah, I, try, I tried looking it up and I'm getting 100 mile challenge. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll have to find that and then we'll put it into the show notes when we find the right hashtag. But it does seem like an interesting concept for a challenge yeah it definitely was they uh from what i remember they they did a very good job of like collecting items and uh and then curate curating them i i want to say it was a hereford thing but yeah it's a hundred it's a hundred and fifty mil challenge so that that is a six inch piece 150 mils would be a six inch piece that they start with yeah and it was yeah it was from hereford anvils I could have this wrong. I'm, I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants here because we had no plan and now it's... Uh, down a rabbit hole. Down a rabbit <laughs> hole. Here we go. Hang on. So yeah, it's if it's it's a 150 mil challenge. Um, go have a look. It's a great inspiration. There's all kinds of items. You hardly even... Re- like it's hard to even fathom what, what these smiths came up with out of a single piece of... Uh, six inch stock so yeah i'll be interested to check that out i'm still coming up with a 150 mile challenge well when you put in 150 this mm for millimeter well you didn't say that you said mil (laughs) one five i said millimeter you you never said millimeter it's recorded (laughs) you said mil i meant yeah so anyways oh wow this is cool yeah so yeah, definitely check that out. It's one five zero mm challenge <laughs> for all the for all, for all those freedom unit users. Yeah, wow, people even made candle holders out of it. That's impressive. Yeah, there's a there's definitely people change the cross section of that material by a lot to make make some of those projects. So it was it's very interesting to see. Very kind of an, a good inspiration for people, I think. 
think I think there's ways to get inspired from challenges like that. I mean, we used to saw it on our Make What You Fear challenge. It's pretty epic what some of those people came up with getting out of their comfort zones. And that's working with materials that they don't typically work with. Yeah. Yeah, we got to revisit that next year for next year for sure. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to see what people came up with. I wonder what, what we'll do. Are we going to do the same thing again next year? We're coming up on it already. It's already yeah. November. I think we change it a little bit, but I don't know. Listener feedback would be great. <laughs> yeah, if you have an idea for what you want, make what your fear challenge to become, let us know. Working Hands Podcast on Instagram. Yeah, I got a, I got a few ideas on what to do. I don't think it's going to be exactly the same because I think at some point you kind of, if we do this for a couple of years or three, four years, like people are going to run out of media, <laughs> mediums to use. So, yeah, well, I mean, we could change it up just because it's make what you fear. It doesn't mean it has to be a new medium. It could be a new process, right? If you're a blacksmith but never welded before, do some welding, you know? If you're a blacksmith and don't do sheet metal work, maybe you do sheet metal work. Yeah. Could be a so process. I guess yeah. we could spitball it a little bit here right now is what I've kind of been thinking was, um, more of a project that you've been putting off, like a project that's kind of put some fear into you that you haven't done. But the thing and the caveat of it would be is that when you post it, we need the story. Hmm. We can't have, we can't have just the project, like in order to kind of judge it, if we do it through us or through, um, through the fans or the listeners, we should, uh, I think that's got to be part of it. I think there needs to be, but that's the that's spitballing. That's not, uh, there's nothing, nothing in stone. No, we have uh, two months to figure it out because I think we released it on January 1st last year. Yeah. And I think we shorten our time a little bit. I think people in this, <laughs> in this world don't seem to do well with long deadlines. I think they need to be pushed <laughs> a little bit. I agree with that. However, Speaking of things we do, the Makerswap, we're going to bring it back again next year, I assume. So that's one you yeah. don't want to put off. Put I'm the effort in. in now. Let's get that thing started now so you're not rushing around right before Maker Camp getting that done. I think it's going to be fun to see uh, what people put in next year, especially if they start now. Yeah, I've already got my idea in process. I'm not actually, no metal has been moved yet, but... I have a I have a project in in mind, and that and that's part of it is I I want to bring like a a very solid project with me to to camp next year. I felt good about what I made this year, but I still think I need to push myself while I'm doing while I'm doing this next one. Right? Yeah, I think we all should push ourselves for this next one. I think we should we should all try and get um what's the word really showcase our skills. Yeah, for this next one. But we got time to talk about that later. We don't have to. <laughs> we don't have to dwell on the swap just yet. No, I think, I think pe people are probably getting swapped and maker maker camped out. But oh, for sure, <laughs> I think we are. But yeah, I'm still I'm still riding the hangover. Yeah, me too. My <laughs> hangover got like uh, uh, it was like I went on on another uh, bender because I went down to high caliber camp two weeks after. So yeah. Yeah, I was like, well, like I've said before, I was definitely feeling the FOMO and jealousy and all the emotions. <laughs> yeah, what's cool about that one, though, is, I mean, granted, 
he puts in a lot of work to put that one on and he has, you know, 20 some odd people there, but the people could just create their own small one, you know, invite five friends over and have a little maker meetup, get it done in your neck of the woods. Yeah. I mean, that's you something. Share some skills, you know, like you and uh, NB Woodfinder, you could get together. He could show you some woodworking. You yeah, can get exactly. dusty for a little bit. Maybe <laughs> show him some blacksmithing, you know, there's people in your neighborhood that would come. Yeah. No, well, that's something that uh, I've thought about a little bit too, because we have the, the Maritime Blacksmiths Association in this area, and we—it's one of those things. So it's a maritime association, so it's kind of like you guys would have like a tri-state thing. So for for us, it's like New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and PEI, and in those—I don't know that Newfoundland's included in that, but anyways. It tends to be dominated by the Nova Scotia Smiths, and uh, I'm just voicing a little frustration, I guess. But what I find is <laughs> is that the events they tell you a week or two ahead of time, so you don't really have time to schedule and and figure things out. It's you know, for me to get there, sometimes it's six to seven hours of driving, so it's not an easy thing to get to. So that's something at some point that I I do. My space isn't really set up for it, but at some point I'd, I'd like to, have, and if anybody local to me is hearing this, please reach out to Smith's because I want to try and get something like that going here where we have like a, I don't know, twice a year kind of meet up or hammer in where everybody shows up, have a little project, you know, have some fun, have make a day of it, try and teach each other things and the way we, and have a good time with it so that'd be fun yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to work it out but uh, most everybody's got everybody i've talked to lately has kind of had their we're all in the same boat where we've got really small spaces like my shop's 12 by 12 i had the the mother and son uh in my shop and that was that was nerve (laughs) and i spoke about that too Uh, it's it's nerve-wracking because it was like you're watching people move hot steel around in a, in a spot that you're used to just having a single person in. So it's, I can't imagine having like four or five Smiths working away in a, in my size shop. So, well, could you do it in the lawn? Uh, yeah, but then that's part of the problem is like where my anvil is mounted. Well, you already said no one's allowed to use your anvil. So if you have a couple spare Amazon anvils yeah, and a Mr. Volcano Forge, then you're golden. Oh, well, now you're talking sense, so now I'll have to have to sort something out. <laughs> or rent a field somewhere. I mean, for blacksmithing, you don't need much power. No, especially with like the forge, like you're saying, like it just needs like, with a Venturi burner. You just need you need pro you need a propane tank, and then you're you're set. Mine does so. pretty good. That's what they use at the hammerins at the maker camp. Yeah. So I yeah. I would like to do it. Do you find and for me, I I don't know if you're the same way, but you learn more when you're teaching. I learn what I don't know when I'm teaching. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely do. I've always found that like I help train, train people at work. And I find that once I'm done training someone, I, I really feel, I feel way more confident and competent in what I'm, what I'm doing. So and it's the same, like I felt after I did the session with the, with the mother and son the other a couple of weeks ago now, like I feel a lot better about, about my 
knowledge and my skill set in smithing. Like I still think I'm, you know, maybe beginner plus intermediate kind of idea. Like I don't think I'm that good at all, but I definitely realized how far I've come since since day one. So that's that was kind of eye opening to me. Yeah, just because you're a hobbyist doesn't mean you don't know enough to call yourself more than a beginner, though. Yeah, I just it's just my way. <laughs> true, true. I'll let you slide with that one. Yeah. But yeah, I find that whenever I'm showing people stuff that I learn more, like even if it's just from their questions, sometimes it's what you don't know. And then you have to learn it quick on the fly. Yeah. it's it's sort. Sometimes it, what it does for me is it's almost like if you've ever been around children and the way they look at things and you're like, how did they think of like, they, they just look at things from a totally different angle. And it's, it's the same thing when someone new to a skill set comes at you and and they just see it from a totally different angle than, than you've looked at it. And it just, yeah, it does kind of change everything for you. I find it cool. And this will light the firestorm with the <laughs> internet on fire, but uh, it's like pouring gasoline on this. But sometimes like when you're in a situation like, and I hate to keep using this, or let's just say a hammering, right? Where there's a lot of newer people there and they're, just there to have fun and they don't really care about the right way of doing stuff. And they're just there playing around. I find sometimes watching those people versus watching somebody who's trying to do it the right way by the book, all that, whatever the book is for whatever medium you're doing. Sometimes the, the, the people who aren't learning about it other than when they're doing it have a different way of doing stuff. And sometimes that's better. I don't mean better as in the end result's going to be better or the technique is better and they come up and they, groundbreaking but their creative process and getting to where they're going is sometimes fun to watch some people who are new at doing say blacksmithing and they're just having fun in a forge and they're just messing around because they know they're not going to touch it until the next event they go to that has this one particular thing so they don't care that they're swinging the hammer wrong or any of that they're just there having fun sometimes what they create is pretty wild the way they to that yeah that's result. a good point i i tend to I'm, i don't know it's just the way my brain works i tend to steer towards the technical side of things so i am that person that's like oh they should really swing that hammer differently i i, I get what you're saying and i agree with it but I, I always i always tend to be that guy that's like you know she you should swing this way and you know you should be trying to do this with the metal what and instead of just letting them you know, play and see how, you know, red hot or red hot steel moves when you, when you hit it. So, yeah, I know there's a technical correct way to do everything, but you could ask five people and they all tell you the technical correct way is a different way. And I'm sure there's a book somewhere that that way is correct in that book, but there's always other ways to do it. Yeah, no, you're right. And in some ways, like smithing is almost like a lost art in a way, because there's really not well, I mean, now there is, there seems to be, there seems to be a Smith in every neighborhood if if you really look hard enough. Right. But I mean, compared to like when I was a kid, like, I don't know, there, would there have been, you know, a hundred in the entire country of Canada? I don't, I don't know. Maybe there, maybe there was more than that, but like, it wasn't really a prevalent thing. It was like, it wasn't anything that I ever saw when I was, when I was a kid. Like the only time I actually saw it was I went to, we have a place called King's Landing <laughs> that's uh it's like a historical 
settlement and it's they have a blacksmith shop there and i think that was that was like the only time i've ever seen smithing yeah i was gonna say growing up the only time i ever saw it was when you go to one of the historical places and they have the blacksmith shop set up and they're in their blacksmithing and it always looks like they're hammering on that same piece of metal every time like they're not making anything but they were making stuff i remember the one i went to i actually (laughs) i was the kid that got to go and pump the bellows so it was a full coal forge with the bellows and everything yeah it was that's cool and he think he did a nail to be honest with you now that i think of it is it is this what started your love affair with blacksmithing it might have but i with without even knowing have we have we (laughs) my origin story (laughs) what it was your origin Um, story (laughs) the prequel comes out in episode 69 Um, (laughs) yeah no i think that was one of that was the first first time and then i think that's what he did i now that i think back on i mean i was young i was oh man that would have been grade five, so like 10, 10 years old, give or take. So and I can remember doing like pumping the bellows as he asked me to. And then he went through the, pro- he actually went through, it wasn't like, like some stories you hear where it's like he put a piece of metal in, heated it up, went over to the anvil, looks at it, hits it with a hammer, puts it back in the heat. Like he, he went through a little demonstration for the class. Like there was... I don't know, say 20 or 30 kids there. And we did, went through the entire process of making a nail. So I'm I'm sure we weren't there long. Cause, I mean, a, a good smith makes a nail in pretty quick succession. So Yeah. I remember going in grade school to one of those things and they had it. And I, all, I were, all I remember, I don't know what he was making, but I do remember like, um, they're like hooks, but they're not hooks because they were like flat bar. And they were like curly cues that you'd put like in ornamental like yep. railings scroll a lot of people would I remember that scroll yeah and uh I I don't remember him actually making something maybe he was and I missed the point but uh later on I've seen like I've gone to there's, there's one local here and you can walk in they're dressed in traditional garb and they go in there and they they do their thing and they're constantly making but I've never watched to see what they make it always just looks like they're you know half assing it in there <laughs> but from what I hear, they actually make stuff for the, uh, like for the park as they renovate it. Yeah, so. I think I think that's what they do up at the one here. Like it's a couple hours away from from me, but it's not far from where I, where I grew up. So that's why we did a school trip there. But um, yeah, I think they do that. Like they're making nails and and hinges and and latches and things like that to to upgrade and and rebuild the the area as they go i mean that's what chris over at full steam's going to school for that's why that school was built. yeah no you're right that is was to bring it was to bring back that craft which is awesome i think i mean had i been in high school and knew i could go to a college to become a blacksmith or something like that like i i probably would have done something like that as opposed to the path i chose yeah i it's weird for me because the 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 path I'm on is not the path I chose. It's just kind of the one that kind of. Oh, same it, for me. Yeah, because I started out as an industrial mechanic, kind of. So millwright, industrial mechanic, you know. So I was doing a lot of like metalwork and welding and things like that, and that that kind of sparked the interest years ago. And and then with the forge and fire stuff, that kind of got it going again. So 
but yeah, I don't I don't know if if I would have picked it right out of high school though. Knowing the kid I was then, I don't know that I would have picked it. But me now would think that might not have been a bad idea. I think it would be a could be a fun life. So I picked uh, in high school. I didn't really want to go to college, and then when I gave in to the fact that I pretty much had to go, I figured I'd pick a school where it was something interesting to me. So I did. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and one of my shop teachers is like, "Why don't you go here? They have a shop teacher class. Just become a shop teacher." So I tried it, but apparently I'm pretty bad at history, so I'm not a shop <laughs> teacher. Uh, thank you, Mister Zanine. I'll forever hate that guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then I wound up at a job in telecom, and there was some old timers there retired. His name was Captain Kenny. He used to run. He used to be the captain of the Cable Queen, and that was the guy who would, uh, I think in the New York Harbor, he'd run cables. It was like a little tugboat, and they would lay cable down. But he had been retired, and he was working for the engineering firm I got a job at. And uh, he came over to me one day, and he's like, you look miserable. I said, I am. And he goes, if you don't like telecom, get out now. And that was the best advice I never took and should have. Because <laughs> 20-something years later, I'm still here, and I hate every moment of it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I can't complain too much. I mean, I have a, a decent job, you know. I have a house, not not starving, but it's not the path I would have chose. It's not one. Of, I don't have one of those jobs where people say, "Oh, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life." I don't have that job. Yeah, I don't know with that one. I I, I always like that saying because I I know there's things that I do, in, even in the job I have now. There's days where I get to do things and I'm like, that felt like, felt like I was a kid again, playing, doing whatever. It was just fun. It was something work. Like it was like, that's one part of the things. One of the things I enjoy with my job is that occasionally we get to just do fun things that are very hands-on. So it's, it's a, my job is weirdly blue collar and white collar at the same time. Like there's, I have a part of my job where I can show up. And I go to a, a part of the plant where I'm in a, in a shirt and tie and I'm sitting in front of 10 computer screens and I'm controlling part one portion of the plant. And then I can have the next week, the next shift I come in, I could be outside and in the plant, like not in the suck because it's totally not the suck, but you're in, you're just in it, you know, you're dealing with things, you're in the, you just wrenching on valves things like that so it's it's a little bit it's a totally different thing and and sometimes and i really enjoy i really enjoy both sides of it but then there's some days where you're just like oh man i i like you say yeah my job sucks 110 <laughs> percent all the way around i'm either in the field fighting traffic get places stepping over homeless drug addicts and stairwells it sucks it's nothing nice about my job. Or I'm stuck in front of the computer dealing with emails. Like, I don't even draft anymore. It's, I, I mean, I still draft, but I'm only fixing people's mistakes. So it's, uh, I don't know. There's nothing fulfilling about my job. I need out. I've said it here live on air. <laughs> I hate it. I hate, I hate everything about yeah. it. And then everything's due yesterday, you know. They want everything due yesterday, and you're dealing with paper pushers, and they don't understand you actually have to do the work. It's frustrating. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think you get that just about anywhere. I, I guess for me over the years, I've, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm broken in some way, but I, I feel like you always hear the grass is always greener sometimes. Oh, I don't even have green grass <laughs> over here. 
it's it's burnt to a crisp. It's it, it. I'm in the dust bowl. Yeah. It's not. It's not looking over, saying, "Oh, it's green over there." Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate, but it's just. But I I, I get you. I get your point. I, it's just terrible. But if I could get into one of these crafts back in the day, I, I think I would have. Had I known there was a, a path forward that could have. Uh, <laughs> Had I know, known Facebook and Instagram and TikTok were coming. <laughs> I'm not even saying content creator, you know, like, I mean, yeah, there was welders yeah. and this and carpenters and building houses and stuff, but to actually just make items and yeah. not buildings like that. Like I kind of fault our, our guidance counselors and stuff growing up. Like they don't tell you anything. Like there was one thing. Like when I watched Shark Week, had I known I could have been a marine biologist and just studied sharks for a living, I probably would have done that. I didn't know what marine biologists did as a yeah. kid. It just seemed like a hard a hard job. But then, And I'm sure it is. I'm not saying it's not. But being on a boat in the ocean every day sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. It sounds awesome. And then studying wave patterns and all the stuff that they do now is like it's it's just cool. And I think – I think kids today, if they can look at all the different options they have, I mean, they have the internet now. I didn't have the internet, you know. I couldn't play around on the internet, find things that I was passionate about, and then and then figure out a way if there's a way to make a career. Yeah, out of that. no, I'm, I I agree with you. I guess what I was saying with when I was talking about the social media aspect of it, it was more that not the content side of it, but more of like how you can now build a business very easily through through that you know what i mean but yeah I, I found i found the same thing going through high school like they wanted they wanted me to go to university like that was that was what was pushed and same for us as i got older what i realized because they really did in my high school really did look down on the trades like i i don't think that same. they understood what what the trades I'm talking all trades. I'm not talking like the craft trades. I'm talking like like electricians and plumbers and all that kind of stuff. Like they re- they really did look down Same. on that because they felt like you couldn't earn a living or live a good life in those skill sets. And they're, they're dead wrong, <laughs> like really. And but it was really really came down to what uh, what as I look back on it, it was that people that that the teachers were they pushed what they knew they didn't know the trades they they saw people working in some of the trades that maybe weren't doing great so they assumed that was how the entirety of that trade was and the reality of it is that there's plenty of people out there doing very well in jobs that you wouldn't expect from from that oh for sure from that from that from that narrow kind of thought process that university was the only way you could make a living but you're also in the same position as i am uh because we're almost the same age that maybe it's not the individual teachers we need to fault but it was just the generations before us like it led up and then the baby boomers and they see everyone who's crushing it who went to college right because that was the ride they were yeah like get going and if you look at the wave it was going and going and going even people we're at the tail end of our generation because we're I'm just before the millennial generation, right? I'm the last of whatever we're called yeah. Gen X or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I have this wave, 
of everyone doing great, even the early Gen Xers, right? Even the mid Gen Xers, they did great when they went to college and got out and they were doing great, right? And the baby boomers were holding all the trade jobs, right? And they held it. And then it gets to the point where the tail end of Gen X is now graduating college with mounds of debt because all the prices of college is going up because now everyone's going to college. They can charge whatever they want because everyone just keeps coming. That's what everyone pushed. And then it crashed, right? And I'm not saying it crashed like college is bad, but like when we got out, we didn't have these high paying jobs that people before us got out. We got out and got lower paying jobs because everyone had a college education. So there's no benefit to having one or not having one. It's just, that's the job you get. And then you got to start from the bottom again where everyone 10, 15 years before us, even though they're in our generation, whatever it is, they did fine. So I think it's just the placement of our age group where yeah, we're I at. Think, I think you're accurate in that where, like what you mentioned about the baby boomers hanging on to the trade jobs. That was a big thing here because when I started working in like 99, 2000, like when I graduated high school, it really was like the good high skill, high paying trade jobs were like you had to know somebody or be related to somebody to get kind of in. And then now I feel that's really not there because you've had so many people move away from trades and then the attrition of people retiring out of the trades has gotten more and more so that now there's an opportunity for the younger people to move into those trades and, and do very well. Yeah. I mean, when you feed the the line of crap that you have to go to college, right? And then everyone gets out with this mound of debt out of college. They figure they have to use that college education. So let me get a non-trade job, you know? I mean, there's the few people that don't and they go get a trade job and they're doing great. But you feel like you have to use it because you're still paying for it. You're going to be paying for it for the next 20 years. Yeah. well, You know what I mean? So, so then you get out and you... And you and you get sucked into the brainwashing that everyone said you needed it when maybe you didn't. Maybe you would have been better off in the trades. Maybe you would yeah, have excelled that, in the I trades. I see that where I'm at because we'll have guys that I work with and have worked with for years now. And they all, so there's a lot of guys, not, not a huge amount, but there's, there's a good amount that have four-year education they have a bachelor of arts they have a bachelor of science they have computer sciences they have whatever and they're doing the same job i'm doing and i did a one-year course at tech school so right like they like they bought into that they did the school and then they were like well there's no jobs in this so what can i what industrial job out there will take me with you know the four years of post-secondary that i have so I'm I'm also in the camp that I think there's very few things that, um, I mean, there's a few jobs that require it, like a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. Don't get me wrong, but not every job that they say, oh, you need a four-year degree or a master's degree. Do you need that? You know, sometimes experience is way better than you get from college. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I guess a good example would be, be Lil, my, my, uh, girlfriend, she, she has no formal education in what she does, like no specific schooling for what she does, but she is now at the level within the company she's at that, that normally is someone that has a four year accounting certificate or uh, schooling behind them. I don't know what 
the degree or whatever behind them or diploma. I don't, not sure which, but as you can tell, I have no idea <laughs> about both about colleges and universities, but like she's at the point yeah. where her experience outweighs that piece of paper saying that she knows what she's doing. And she's proved her, she's proved herself through that company to do that. I've been working in engineering, not as an engineer, but for engineering firms for 20, 20 years, maybe almost. <laughs> and, and not once, not once have I been asked about my college education. Most of the guys I work with don't have, and not once have I been asked. I mean, the guy who has to sign, sure. He has to have a engineering degree and PE and all that. And I get all that. I get the requirements for all that, but, but the guys in the trenches don't need it. And, and I don't know. I just, I just think, uh, I think there's other ways to be educated classes here and there. Like I'm a big fan of education over influence for one, especially when you're doing stuff like this, like take a class, take whatever you can, but I don't think it's necessary. Like if, if you feel like you're passionate about something, do it. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. It's, it's definitely, yeah. Passion is definitely something you need for it. Or if you're like me, don't go to college right away until you know what you want to do, because that's a huge chunk of change. I mean, if you are going to go to college, it's fine, but go for a reason. Don't go because you think you have to go, and then you're just doing it. Yeah, so I guess a little bit more backstory on myself is that I I got out of high school, went directly to a tech course, and I went to what we call, what the course was called was industrial control. And the idea of that course is you would come out at the end as an instrument instrumentation tech. So, and of course, my birthday is later in the year. So I started in, you know, September. I was still 17 years old after graduating high school. And I was what we consider a Christmas graduate. <laughs> I was not ready. I was not ready for um, tech is, is a very, it can be a very professional environment. Like it's, it's like they set it up so it's like a work day. Like you get there at eight, you leave at four. Like it's it's very regimented in a way that um, they're almost setting you up to to walk into you know you know an eight hour or twelve hour type job scenario. So and attendance is big. Like they're they're really pushing what an employer is looking for. So and at seventeen, I was just not just not ready for it and. And I did do, I, then after that, I did go home. I went home in January and sat on the couch for about a week. And then my mother said, all right, get off your ass. It's time to go find a job. So she kicked me out and said, well, she didn't kick me out of the house. She just kicked me out the door to say, here, go find, go find work, go start throwing resumes around. And then, so I worked for, I found a job and I worked for, I think it was a, so it was January of that year till October of the next year. So whatever that works out to be, I'm not going to do the math. Um, or September, I guess September of the next year. Doesn't it doesn't matter? Yeah. Year and a so half. Anyways, so I had picked a by that time I had realized what I wanted to do, and because I was out working, and then I kind of I grew up a bit, kind of figured out, you know, I need to certain things need to be done if I want to have the life I want to live. So it was a it was a good growing up experience it was a good kick in the ass to say you know smarten the hell up let's let's get this thing going so then i went and i did the one year course for the industrial mechanic kind of thing 
and and that's what started it all. I then got got through that, got my first job working in a food plant, and then just continued like every job got better until I got to where I'm at right now. So that's cool. But you like what you do now for the most part, yeah. I mean, everybody's got good days and bad, but yeah, for the most part, I'm I enjoy it. But I guess our main take is do whatever makes you happy. <laughs> in a rambling, long rambling way, you we. Know. <laughs> Do whatever makes you happy. Life's too short to be miserable. Don't take after me. <laughs> but with that, with that, well, I guess on that bombshell, let's thank yeah, our let's patrons, Tony. So as always, we'd like to thank our patrons. And I'll start with our list here. We do have one new this week, and we'll save that one for the last. We'll start here with uh, Corey of Odyssey CNC, the Etsy Boys, Christy of Twisted Twine, Annette of 513 Woodworks, Full Steam Design by Chris Powell, Lillian Archer Photography, David Beckwith Makes, NB Woodfinery, and with our top tier we have Eastbroke Studios, Danelle Smith Christian, Brian Drennan, Lawrence of Maritime Nice Supply.com, Ed Johns of ButtJoints.com, Uncle Sam's Metalworks, Green Street Joinery, Vincent Ferrari of Digitally Creative, Brian Housework of Workfort Podcast, Artigino Sorio, Matt of Wooden Mustache, Lee of Regal Street, congrats on the new house. Uh, yeah, Brent congrats. of Clean Cut Woodworking, Brad of Brad's Customs, uh, David and Joanna of Wido Works, Chad's Custom Creations, Ryan, and then we have Ryan of Gnome Hammer Forge, and then new this oh, also, also known as Face. <laughs> and new this week we have Tony Langer of Langer Works. Tony. Tony's a good guy. Thank you. Thank you all for joining. Thank you, Tony, for joining this week. Yeah, we appreciate it. really do. Gives a long way, helping us keep rolling here. But with that, I think we're going to call it a show. Head on over to the after show. Uh, all those patrons plus some others will get the uh, bonus show. So if you want to join, you can. If not, you don't want to support us monetarily, that's fine. Uh, we ask everyone who does and doesn't to share the show with a friend or all your friends. Have them share it with their friends. It goes a long way to helping us build this joint venture we have going here. Uh, you can share our posts on Instagram. Just tell people to listen, whatever you got to do. Uh, we greatly appreciate each and every one of those shares. If you want to find Tony, he's at Woodland Iron. I'm at Blackthorn Concepts. We can both be found at Working Hands Podcast. If you want, you can leave us a review on Apple or any podcatcher that allows you to, re- to leave a review or five-star rating. We'd greatly appreciate that as well. With that, let's call it. All right. Later.